Hey there, this is Sean Mallory, and welcome to my podcast, Where Did It Get Like This? A show that talks to my guests about the places they grew up and how that impacts their adult lives. This is episode seven. My guest is Sam Beeson. He's an aspiring actor and comedian, and is also the brother of Nick Beeson, my guest from episode two. Sam claims he's only moved 11 times, but I'll let you be the judge. Just a note about this episode, we do discuss a few mature subjects uh, that may not be suitable for younger ears. All right, I hope you enjoy. So far, you are my youngest guest, so you're winning that. Hey, let's go. All right. If I can get you to introduce yourself, tell us a little about where you're at in your life right now. Uh, yeah, for sure. My name is Sam Beeson. I'm 22 years old. I just graduated college, so I'm in that kind of fun in-between time. Grew up in Colorado, obviously moved around a bunch, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. So what's what's the, the first thing you're doing out of college job-wise? First thing I'm doing out of college job-wise, I'm currently parked, sort of living out of my car in okay. Grand Lake, Colorado. I'm working three jobs up here. I'm working at a grocery store and an outdoor gear supply shop and at the uh, repertory theater up here. Is living out of your car a joke or is that for real? My parents have a place up here. Okay. And so like, I'm kind of treating it like a hostel right now. Like I, I could totally unpack right now, but it's kind of fun just to live out of a backpack still, you know? Right on. That's cool. Yeah. What did you study in college? College, I went there hoping to learn a bit more about acting and directing. That's what my degree is in. Okay. What does that mean? The only reason I went to college instead of just going straight into theater and stuff, which is ultimately what I want to do, was this study abroad program that went to 15 countries in a semester. And you got that minor out of going on the trip. So Right on. All right. Well, we'll come back to that. Exactly. Yeah. That absolutely pertains to the podcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it's interesting to me because you're my second guest, Nick's brother. What, he's a couple years older than you, right? Yeah. Three years apart. Okay. And he is just starting out. And I thought that was pretty great. And then he said you were involved in, in getting into theater, which is my background, and thought you might be a, a good person to talk to as sort of a compare and contrast view to his interview to see how you view your childhood next to what he said. And I'm not going to really, you know, bring up his interview all that much other, except for maybe to compare a, a couple of things, you know, but, you know, see how you guys stack up and what you got close or right oh, or for sure, whatever. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But I, oh, I, no, no, do, yeah, think I do think yeah, like yeah, these, the perspectives here are wildly different just by, you know, our, our college degrees. Yes. <laughs> alone, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's what I thought too. But also, what I think is interesting because you finished your was it your last two years of college during the pandemic? Is that is that right? Yes. So I think that's also a fascinating thing that's probably going to have a big influence on the way you're doing and seeing things from here on out. Is that a fair assessment? That's absolutely fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I can't wait to get into that. Yeah. Okay. Again, because you are so young and you have many years and many places to explore yet. I mean, what's, what is your goal, you know, with this fancy degree and fancy minor that you now have? The goal. That's a great question. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's just one of the things that I learned or something that somebody in my class, we're in an acting class and the dude actually dropped out of college to go do 
you know, acting and stuff like that. But he was uh, very adamant about having life experiences. Mm. And he said that one of his mentors told him that, you know, you can go and take a thousand acting classes and you can do everything by the book and stuff like that. But if you don't have, you know, life experiences, all you know is how to act. You don't know how to live. Mm. And I thought that was very poetic. And Mm. I think that the goal is just seeing everything there is to see all the time and soaking up an experience and getting ready to move on to the next one. And I think, you know, moving around a lot and, you know, that's sort of like not having roots kind of thing, I think really propels me into, you know, oh, you know, let's go to this theater for the summer and then see what, you know, what am I going to do in the winter? No idea. And kind of play it all by ear. Okay. Is it more anxiety inducing to think about you don't know what's next Mm. or is it exciting at this point in your life? I find it exciting, but I'm also a little bit of an idiot. Okay. (laughs) I I like that idea of kind of not knowing what's next. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I do find it more exciting. That element of surprise, like it, it could go really well or it could go really bad or, you know, you could meet someone awesome or you could, you know, have a, uh, you can meet kind of a jackass and you know i can turn that into a stand-up routine or something you know all right yeah it's exciting cool i'm really glad to hear that i i don't know that a lot of people your age you know came out of the pandemic in school this past year feeling that way so that's actually really hopeful yeah, You're excited I, still you know and i can go into a little bit of that if if we want yeah well i'll come back to it all right awesome, but i mean awesome so i mean you do you bring up a really good point about how you feel that your upbringing you know, is sort of shaping where you're at right now. And that's, that's why I'm here. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, I tell everyone that I was a military brat. Holy My God. dad was in the air force. Right. Nice. And so we moved about six times before I left high school. And then I think I figured out I moved like another nine or 10 times since then. So I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing people's versions of their moving around as a kid. So why don't you sort of walk me through some of that? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was really, really little, maybe like a month, we were in Montana for like a month. And so I don't really count that, but right out of the womb, moving states. I talked to another guy, thought about it in terms of homes. So, you know, however you want to think about it. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So grew up in this county called Elizabeth County, southeastern Colorado. Mm -hmm. Lived there for a couple years. And then around third grade, I think, Mm -hmm. my dad had a job change. It brought us out to D.C., Lived there for a couple of years, got homeschooled, came back and half of my fifth grade year was homeschooled in the same house. And then we moved about five miles away to this place uh, a little closer to the high school that we were going to end up going to. And then had sixth grade there. Seventh grade, we moved to Boston, another job change for my old man. Lived there for a little over a year. Moved back to Colorado, same house. And then my parents split up, and so I moved uh, again, and then lived in a, a different house in the same town until I finished high school. And then my last semester, or actually the last semester of my senior year, moved again, just like a hair's breadth out of town, still in Colorado, and then moved out to college. And where and was that? College was California, and I'm actually the uh, the first Beeson to go okay. to an out-of-state school. Oh, that's cool. Which... I didn't realize until my sophomore year, which was huh. you know, it's just kind of fun to think about. And I yeah. think it's it's a testament to to moving around a lot. And then Wow. Okay. Only reason uh for going out of state was I wanted to get out of Colorado. Um right on. for 
any number of reasons. I think I was always going to go to California, obviously for acting and stuff. But then I saw this study abroad program and I'd kind of flirted with the idea of studying abroad and wanting to. It was always, you know, spending a semester in one area I felt was like overwhelming. So I was like, oh, you can pack 15 of them in the same amount of time. Let's do it. Okay. But yeah. So I just graduated and then I moved back to a different house where I'm currently at, mm-hmm. kind of seeing what's next. So that's about 10 times. 10 times. So okay. Unless you want to count all 15 countries moving around those. I don't know. How long were you in each location? Yeah, just two weeks. So it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, did you un- did you unpack that suitcase that many times? I did unpack that suitcase that many times. Well, it was actually a backpack. All right. Well, we can call that tentative. But do you remember those early moves? Yeah. 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 Most part, it was just like the, the friends in each place. I think that's how I categorize like the homes is like the, the people around me. Yeah. The most distinct one was moving to Boston because I just moved to a new middle school. Like I came back from DC, fifth grade was homeschooled. Yeah. And then found this middle school where like a couple of friends from uh, my mom's church were there. So like I knew a couple people and that was like, like one of the first times like I knew someone going into a school Mm. and then moving to Boston, homeschooled again, didn't really meet a lot of people out there. And then by the time I'd come back, like everyone had kind of made their little clicks and stuff. Sure. And like, I feel like I missed out on that, you know, the, the the friendship forming kind of deal. What was your take on the homeschooling? I think it was super beneficial. I think, especially in Boston, Mm. you know, you're learning about like the Boston massacre and you're like, Hey, you want to go see it? Like, sure. So it was cool to get kind of like that that hands on, you know, historic feel, and like I think that really fueled like, uh, oh, I'm learning about something, I want to go see it now, and wanting to go out and and see things and not being kind of just set in a classroom, I guess. Your brother just sort of indicated that because of the nature of what your dad did, I mean, he was in politics, right? Is that about what you can tell me for sure? And that life isolated you guys as a family a little bit, just because of whatever he did in that that world and because you were homeschooled you're closer to your family and and things more than sort of the outside world during a couple of those moves right yeah yeah absolutely the closest thing was dc we had a couple people who were i think two years younger than each of us yeah so we kind of had that social circle but boston for sure was definitely like family only kind of deal so that was fun to navigate, you know, coming back to like a high school or whatever. Yeah. And people were like, hey, do you want to hang out? I'm like, I don't, I've been going home after school all the time. Like, I don't, I don't know what, the, what this hangout business is. Oh, right. Did you feel like you had to play catch up by the time you ended up back here? I think so. <laughs> I always like to make fun of homeschoolers about, you know, social cues and stuff like that. But I really do think that, you know, you're being raised up in a public school. I mean, that's what social skills are. It's a skill. You have to work on it. And I never think that a lot of people had uh, the jump by the time I got to high school. It's like even just staying up on pop culture and what's cool and, you know, how to dress. And, you know, obviously high schoolers are vicious, but I don't think I understood how to match clothes until maybe eighth grade. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's because like I never need, I need, never uh, needed to. So you're always just home all the time. Okay. But that's just one example, but I really appreciate theater in that time. Yeah. I did a show sixth grade and then kind of one in eighth grade. And then I was like, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of felt like something I'd always wanted to do. Like, I felt like I've been doing it forever after just doing it twice. I've definitely quoted shows or movies or something like that in conversations because I felt like I didn't have the words. So I'd, I'd let a, a playwright or a, 
a writer kind of say them for me sometimes. And so I think theater was definitely a solid crutch for me socially and all that. Okay. And, all right. Well, I guess it could be a crutch or sort of what drove you. I mean, you know, yeah. I guess. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, I, like, I like putting it that I way. Mean, if, I mean, if you want to do it for your life, I hope it was a positive thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you remember those early plays? I don't remember the early ones, but the first play I ever, well, it was a musical. My first high school musical was Godspell. Okay. Never sung before and then auditioned and got a solo part. And then a thousand people came to see it. We did four shows and our auditorium could fit 250 people. And I was like, holy cow, people want to come see this. And obviously it wasn't just me, but it was still like that feeling of being a part of something. Right. Right. Then I remember, you know, beating out seniors for a role, and I was like, okay, like I can do this. Nice. Did you find it jarring when you ha- when you came back to Colorado? It was nice to come back to something familiar, but I think, I think something subconscious that kind of came in was a sense of I don't know. I felt complacent, I guess, coming back to the same place. I found this interesting when I've talked to a couple people that actually, you know, returned to a place that they lived. We we never did that with the military. How was that experience for you? It felt like Colorado was always like a middle step. Okay. You're, you're in Colorado, you go to DC, then you come back to Colorado. It's like, okay, what's next? Boston, go to Boston, come back. All right, what's next? California. And now I'm back here. So it's kind of like. Okay. You know, yeah. The pro- the prophecy has been fulfilled sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like why break tradition? It's like go somewhere else and then come back and, and kind of get grounded, I guess. And then go on, you know, to the next thing. Like, so I think. I think Colorado is a sense of like a sense of home. Yeah. The, the the entire state, I guess, though, not any one place, though. I don't know. Maybe that that'll be an important thing as you move forward in terms of having a home base that is a, a safe place to go home to and lick your wounds or whatever. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's really and, great. Uh, yeah. I, I assume you guys still have a lot of family here. I mean, yes. Do you recall what your relationship was like with the family that was back here when you guys were away? A lot of family lives in New Mexico. Okay. A lot of my mom's side stuff. Mm. We had a couple of friend, friends, family in Pueblo when we left for DC. Okay. And I don't know, communication was always like sparse, mm. but I think that's just how my mom and my dad were raised. Okay. A lot of family on my dad's side have passed away. Yeah. So the family members we kept in touch with the most were my grandparents on my dad's side because they lived with us. Okay. They lived in our home <laughs> in Colorado while we were living on the East Coast. And then my aunt and uncle my dad's sister and uh brother-in-law were taking care of them in that house so like we were always kind of in touch with them nice you know cousins and things like that do you remember you know having that part of your life is that a thing for you not super much actually i mean the occasional family reunion where you're like my cousins are like adults like what is this sure okay (laughs) they were a lot older or yeah yeah a lot yeah a lot of them are a lot older and then we have one younger cousin who's my little sister's age so he's about three years younger than me okay so we just kind of started rekindling that this summer actually (laughs) went down there for a little bit and kind of dusted off the cobwebs and you know talked to everyone finally and stuff like that so yeah it felt really good it felt really really good Mm. but i do have a cousin who is in the arts a little bit like he does photography and printmaking and he kind of like makes his own content. Oh, yeah. He was in Arizona and then he was in California and now he's up in Seattle. And so I, I think I always kind of looked up to that uh, guy. That's cool. A lot for sure. It was just like if if the life or your job kind of gets stale, like go find something new. So that was you know, so, so. that was the way he lives. Yeah. yeah. You, you saw I that. Think I, I definitely take uh, took a lot away from him. All right. Yeah. Very cool. No, I always ask because uh, we moved so much. We barely knew our grandparents. Really? We barely knew our cousins. A lot of them 
several years older. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. when we were traveling co- uh, cross country, we'd get to see them briefly. But I mean, you know, it just was one of those things. Both my younger sister and I just always wished we had that connection with. So I'm always like, "What were your cousins like? You know, what was what is that whole thing? You know?" So gotcha. Yeah, yeah. it's just I don't none know. of us really like text at all or anything. Like a lot of it is just like if we're we have to go to their area, you know, like, so kind of a lot of what you were saying. Oh, sure. You know, we, the occasional call on the birthday. And then if we were, yeah, driving through, yeah. I remember driving back from Boston, we did the whole Southern belt of the U S came up through New Mexico and then into Colorado specifically to see the, see them, you know, cause it's always like, Oh, we'd never see them. So we're going to make a point of it kind of deal. Had to be a, a beautiful drive. It was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after making four cross country treks, it was always just like exciting to see, like, oh, where are we going to stop? Yeah, wherever we feel like it. That's cool. We stopped at uh, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and we're like, yeah, what's here? Let's explore this area a little bit. We went skate fishing. Oh, yeah. Off a pier. And it's a a distinct memory that I have of, of that drive down. It's just like, winging it you know were your parents like that too or they did they like to wing it yeah i think there is a, a sense of adventure in both of them mm. i think there's a there's a fine line between i don't know having some sort of general information about the area and versus like diving into it oh, okay and i think they rode that line pretty pretty well That's so cool. it's not like you're not like walking around with a reckless abandon but i have this general information of the area this is usually super popular here. So like, let's, let's try it out. And so I think there's a, there's a fun balance there. Yeah. One of the things that came up when I talked to Nick was he mentioned that he kept in touch with, you know, former friends and places that you guys had lived. Did you find uh, social media, a useful tool to keep connected with people as you guys moved? I think this comes with like the whole kind of being sheltered by staying at home is I didn't really get social media until you know, halfway through high school. Like I remember like I didn't get Snapchat until I was way, way late to the game with that particular one. And Nick made it a point to keep in touch. And that was something that I just, I never really thought of because I was just like, oh, like I'm leaving. So I guess I'll hear from you if like my, my parents talk about you or something like that. Like I'll hear you in passing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's relatable. I, I feel very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't something like I was super versed with and there's, I don't know. There's something always about, uh, I kind of always wanted to go against the grain, but didn't really know how. And I saw everyone on like their phones and social media. I was like, oh, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> so yeah. I just thought it was cool that there was a tool that you guys had, but it just, it wasn't something that you, you needed, I guess. It is interesting to like understand, like you have that tool and then like, you know, I guess in my case, choosing not to use it. Yeah. Cause whatever reason, but sure. now, okay. especially like for networking and kind of selfishly, but okay. reaching out and seeing how people are doing. And it's really fun. Like after my study abroad trip is reaching out to people in other countries and just being like, Hey, how is this affecting you right now? Like I have people in Israel and Palestine that I, I text oh, wow. through Instagram cool. kind of regularly and being like, yo, like what's huh. going on over there right now? Oh yeah, I bet. It's kind of yeah. seeing those cultural perspectives. is is a lot of fun yeah that's really cool Uh, a friend of mine who's about 10 years older she was really fascinated by nick's episode because i think millennials get a bad rap for like their use of the internet and their use of social media right and she has a nephew that's i don't know like 12 and he's in the same thing i mean he plays video games and he talks to people all over the world and he has all these friends yeah and for her that was like a weird aha moment oh this is a thing that we did not have growing up 
you know, we maybe wrote letters, we maybe called, but it was expensive and all that, you know, you guys have a whole new universe to keep track of people in your lives. And I don't know, that just hit her like, what would it have been like if we had had that option? You know, we, it's hard to even fathom. It's, it's always cool to see just how those relationships form. Like, you, you, you know, yeah. I play Minecraft with a bunch of people and we're like, what do we, you know, what do we want to build or explore? Like, what do we want to do? And like, you're playing until two, three, four in the morning. And then that's when people start, you know, you got to start getting deep and stuff like that. And like, you have these, these, these tough conversations about, about religion, about politics and mm. stuff. And you, oh, no you, kidding. You know, from people, yeah, all over the world. And huh. you, yeah, I don't think huh. that people, you know, even 10 years ago really understood, you know, the, the tools that we would have now wow. for that. Maybe, maybe Dick did Minecraft too. I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think yeah. it was probably Minecraft. Right, yeah. Right on. I haven't done video game stuff since the Super Nintendo was out. And that was like when I was in high school. So oh, I see. Yeah, been I a see. few. Been a few. All right. So you did theater in high school. Did you work or anything? Yeah. A couple of odd jobs here and there. Okay. Like I bottled perfume in this guy's garage for a couple summers. Sounds shady, but all right. Is, oh, yeah, it was so strange. Yeah. Mm. And then I played lacrosse too. Okay. It was interesting. So going from pretty much no social life, being homeschooled and moving around a lot. Sure. In high school, I was kind of part of three groups there. I was obviously in theater, so that comes with its own connotations of high school theater kids. Then I was also in the athletics program and all the stereotypes of lacrosse players and athletics and participants and stuff. Okay. NHS, I tried to be a, a part of. So I had the three kind of, you know, high school sects swirling around in my social life. And it was, it was interesting to balance not only just like schedule wise, but also just socially, you know. Sure. No, I played soccer up through my sophomore year and then I couldn't do both theater and soccer. You know, yeah. uh, so theater one, that is pretty amazing that you were able to balance all that. That's actually pretty impressive. So sophomore year, they ended up changing the show so that I could do theater and stuff. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So this is an older one, but like it's all these little vignettes and stuff like that. And so they chose that show so that I could just rehearse a couple times a week, but also be able to do lacrosse. And so like, I was like, whoa, that's cool. For sure. But then I, I did the same. It got a lot harder in college. Yeah. I was definitely running around, you know from 5.45 to get to the training room and then having improv rehearsals last until one in the morning and just doing that cycle every day. Wow. So bouncing, yeah, sports and theater don't really mix super well. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats for pulling that off. That's pretty good. Yeah. I know I had part-time jobs and stuff too, but man, I mean, as you know, theater just takes a lot, a lot, a lot to do, yeah. you know, so. Uh, yes. Because I like show choir and I also did uh, competitive speech when I was in high school, but our programs are relatively small and they never had enough you know guys yeah. right to do stuff and so anytime one of us showed up and auditioned we'd get the parts we'd get you want to do the next one all of that you know the and kids at my my college called it the penis exception <laughs> nice yeah it was it was a beast to pull off yeah but later on in college i think i kind of chalk it up to that that weird COVID depression, but i ended up dropping it my senior year okay kind of work on my own stuff right yeah, on. college was a different animal man yeah I'm sure. Do you remember what your relationship was like with your siblings during all the moves and then up through high school? Yeah, for sure. I, I got really close with my little sister primarily in, yeah. in like DC and Boston, you know, because we were like the the young ones. Sure. And Nick was always the more independent kind of guy. Uh huh. And in Boston, he interned on the campaign that my dad was managing, hmm. and so you know, I was like, oh, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. So like, I did it for a little bit, but. You know, he went every day and like worked the office job and did his classes and then did the 
the interning and then came home, you know, working his little nine to five. Okay. He had the work ethic that I think I looked up to. Don't show him this podcast. <laughs> okay. But then during high school, it's like I he was a senior when I was a freshman, sure. so like kind of had that dynamic of, oh, like my brother's a senior, guys. Like, check this out. Like, I'm hanging out with all the seniors right now. Right on. And had the same thing with my little sister when I was a senior. But in between, like when Nick headed off to uh, college, he was gone a lot, but like it still felt normal, you know, mm-hmm. just because we did spend so much time apart and like we were comfortable in that distance. And, you know, my sister went through, you know, all of her phases and stuff and going in and out of, you know, being friends and being enemies and stuff. But okay. I think we're always comfortable with distance. I think that's about as eloquent as I can put it. My sister's just shy two years younger than me. And yeah. we often found, you know, solace in each other when we moved because we often moved to places without people our own age and you know so yeah yeah yeah. up until high school we were sort of bonded and then you know went our many different directions in high school and yeah yeah very similar very similar you know i remember dc and boston like we had libby and i had bunk beds and nick had his own room like that was the that was the gold standard Uh, oh i see and stuff so okay all right gotcha yeah and you said your parents got divorced when you were in high school is that right about my junior year obviously that affects a family i mean do you remember how did that go for you? Gotcha. If you don't feel like talking about it either, I can you know, tell me to shut up. Ah, no, no, that's all good, man. I think it is important to talk about. And, you know, yeah. a lot of people, it affects people in different ways, but every mm, situation is yeah. different. But with, with mine, we moved out of like, you know, our, the house. So when we moved back from Boston, moved into a, a house on Sunset Trail, we call it the Sunset House. And then so we moved out of that house and went to a, a place that was closer to my school. And, I had my own room for like the farthest away from like any other bedroom kind of deal. And so I was like, this is my, you know, I'm going to vent and process in here. And so I, I was, I turned into kind of a recluse oh, okay. at home, but I was still doing theater and lacrosse in high school and stuff. And I don't know, trying to do everything I could to, to not go home, I guess mm. it became kind of a, a point of contention, you know? Yeah. The, the DC trips and like, hey, we're doing this, you know, weekend trip to you know, Colorado Springs or something like that. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go, you know, anything to, to kind of get out of home and it kind of fueled the fire to get out of Colorado just because, you know, the home life that you kind of grew up in and from being homeschooled and, and moving because of, you know, moving as a family for, you know, dad's work, we're going as a family to support him and everything. When all that kind of fell away, you know, what's, what's here in Colorado for me? And at the moment, I didn't, you know, personally, I didn't see a whole lot of future there yeah. just because, you know, the, the foundation, everything was obviously broken. And so it was kind of like, I want to get out and figure myself out and then come back and, you know, reassess. And after, you know, what, seven years ago, things have kind of settled into their own thing. And it's nice to come back to that, you know? You sound like you've been able to kind of look at things in sort of maybe sort of an, an objective, healthy way. <laughs> no, no, it definitely brought on like a lot more maturity early on and you know because up until then it was life was adventure life was borderline disney movie kind of felt like sometimes it was just oh interesting you go out and you see all these you know seeing the sights and seeing you know make taking a day trip to new york city or vermont and then but then when you realize that you know oh yeah you know bad things can happen yeah you know it's it's not always peachy and kind of having that that worldview mixed in with you know previous experiences and that's where hmm. i kind of go now is not knowing, you know, what I'm going to do next. Like it could be good, it could be bad, and I'm ready for either one. I see. I think the that process of the divorce and then of getting out of the state and trying to look back on it and process it, like I think it really helped me view sure. life as kind of like a what is it? Life is your oyster to uh, to be cliche, you know. 
Right on. Really, yeah. So when did you decide that you wanted to go to school in California? I think after the theater life started picking up in high school, you know, I think I can do this. Like, I think I can turn this into something. Yeah. And where do you go for acting? Oh, you go to California. Okay. And that's pretty much my whole thought process. All right. Where'd you go to school again? Concordia, Irvine. Okay. Right before I went, I had just learned of this theater up here in Grand Lake, this repertory theater. Right. I mean, there's a theater right there. We have a place up there already. And I could just jump right into it. But my both my parents really pushed for like college. Yeah. It was out of state, which is pretty much the the only box I needed checked. Learned about this around the world thing. And I was like, I'm going to do that. Okay. Acting at that school was kind of a bonus. Yeah. So it was fun to just find a school that could work with me and that I could do things. It's a smaller school and there's not a lot of guys there. So I, I was see. like, I'd definitely be be working a lot there and stuff. And yeah. That study abroad trip was really why I went there. And the acting was the bonus. But then you said lacrosse was also part of that world. Yeah. Okay. I heard about it through a friend. And then in a class, I talked to the, the defenseman there. And uh, he was like, I'll get your coach's number. And I was like, all right, sick. I mean, I suck, but let's do this. And they were uh, an MCL, what was it? MCLA D1 program. And the year before I went, they had won the national title. I'm not kidding. I'd gone from like this kind of second string midfielder to this D1 program. So it was, <laughs> that was a big learning curve. And did you travel with the, the team and stuff too? Not because of theater. Oh. They traveled all over the place. But I was like, I can't have rehearsal. Wait, so how does that work? You're on the team, but you don't go to away games? I mean, like, exactly. I mean, that's basically. Seriously? I talked to the coach and yeah. 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 So I was a walk-on. <laughs> wow. And I talked to the coach. So I was okay. like, look, I love playing. Uh-huh. I love this team. But, you know, this has to take precedence. Okay. You can't not show up to a show. <laughs> right. You can miss out on a game and stuff. Yeah. And so the, that was another benefit of, you know, the, the small school environment was the coach was definitely willing to work with me and stuff, but wow. it it did it did sting a little. I think it was uh, it was junior my junior year. They went to uh, Colorado for a week and a half. They came here to play like CU and CU Boulder and CSU and stuff. Oh yeah. And I was like, "Hi guys, I'm rehearsing right now." So that kind of bit. Yeah. But, well, I mean, that's pretty great that they were flexible with you. I mean, again, you don't, you don't, you no, know, it was awesome that they were flexible. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see that very often. Yeah. And so you said you got into improv and you got into comedy and writing. So it sounds like you really took to that program. It did. My freshman year was kind of, you know, kind of coasted, kind of did half theater, half lacrosse. The directors were like, we're going to give you a big scholarship to do theater. So like that needs to take precedence. And I was like, all right, fine. So. Sophomore year was probably my peak, it felt like. And it was just so, so wildly different than my last two years at college. Sure. So my schedule my sophomore year was 5.45, was, I was at the training room for a 6.30 practice, a 7 o'clock practice. So I'd pulled both my hamstrings and my groin, like the second practice. Oh, no. For lacrosse. Had a lacrosse from 7 to 9. I had a class at 9.10, quick lunch. The program had a, a directing class. So the student directors needed actors for their scenes. Sure. So I was in three or four of those. And then I had to rehearse for my acting classes. Uh-huh. And then had rehearsal for the big show right at night. And then another practice, another lacrosse practice in, in the middle of the day. And then after the late rehearsal uh, for the for the sh- whatever production we were putting on, I'd have improv right after that, which started at like 1030. Mm. It could go kind of till whenever. And I was up at 545 again. And so I did that for a whole year. Oh, that's rough. It was something else. And I don't think I could do it right now, but it was always moving, always going, always doing something. 
And when I think of the college experience, I think of that. Okay. That year. Was it improv team kind of stuff or what was it? It was, yeah. Okay. I auditioned my freshman year. Sure. I was the only freshman that, that made the team. Hmm. And then by my sophomore year, they had made me a leader. Yeah. Whatever that means. Okay. And so it was just this... I was always exhausted before going to the the thing, sure. but I found it was just so much fun to to create something new. You know, yeah. like every rehearsal is always different, and the way anyone's feeling at any given time can influence a, a scene. However, you're feeling going into it, coming out of it, I was always happy that we had you know a rehearsal, and I think I got a love for comedy, yeah. seeing what jokes worked and what doesn't, and playing the room. And then for shows, Concordia is a Lutheran school. And so you had to stick to the bounds of the jokes you make. You can't get too racy or anything. Yeah. But one show, it was like my third show with the team. I made a drop the soap joke. Oh, geez. And I didn't like the game we were playing. I'd never liked it. But the current leaders were super adamant about playing it. It was going on for way too long. And like the laughs were like diminishing. And so uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to hijack this. And so I went up and did it. And uh, a couple of people stood up and like was we're clapping i got a, it killed let me tell you yeah then i had i had to have a meeting with the director and with the team and stuff like that and they're like you can't be doing that dude right. yeah. it was fun working with constraints because obviously out of college you know you don't have them well yeah or it depends what kind of work you want to do yeah right, like as much yeah. uh, as much no no i mean well, I was going to say, I'm a, I'm really big into comedy, and Mike Birbiglia is one of my favorites. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, yeah. So he did this movie called Don't Think Twice. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not familiar with the movie. You, sh- you should check it out. But I mean, it's it's about the, the improv world, right? What is the and movie called? It's called uh, Don't Think Twice. Got it. But his whole thing is, I mean, he kind of works as a clean comedian, right? Because that gives him the ability to work you know, corporate gigs or school gigs or college, you know, but if you listen to some of his stuff, it's really, yeah, you know, it's yeah. subtly dirty, oh, he's you know? Brilliant. I know. So yeah. 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 So I don't know, I guess it, it really depends on what, what, are you, what you're interested in. I mean, you said you've done some stand up. Yeah. You know, get my feet wet in the acting scene. I did this thing called shine. Yeah. There's this big national program where you basically had like a hub and I had the Denver hub. And so you go and you do, you know, monologues and improv and, you know, these scenes and you learned how to act on camera. And then you go down, we went down to Orlando, Florida to audition and do all those things in front of casting directors and stuff. You did that? That was in high school? Yeah, that was my sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a really cool opportunity for being in a high school. Oh, no. Yeah, it was sweet. And um, met one of the college directors for the New York Film Academy. So I did next year, I did a month acting intensive, acting on camera thing out there and did like, I was filming on like the Universal Studios backlot and okay, like that was a super fun experience. Yeah, right but, on. But the stand-up thing, yeah. it was apparently an, an event that uh, the masses were allowed to attend. Uh, uh, so there were okay. about fifteen hundred people in this auditorium, oh, wow. and I was only told that it was going to be like twelve casting directors or something like that. Yeah. So I get up there and I'm like, "Oh, what? What is this?" So I did it, and you know, got some laughs and stuff like that. But someone informed me that my material. Uh, sounded a lot like some guy who just had a netflix special and i was like what's netflix mm-hmm. i was like out of the loop <laughs> and stuff and so that was legit so yeah so it was legit okay. i've never heard of this comedian huh. so that was like a, a little bump in the road but yeah nothing super big outside of that acting intensive camp came from that okay and i think if i'd gone into it now with like life experience and stuff yeah i'd be able to you know hold a conversation with the director sure and because that thing with stand-up, you have to have like a style. Yeah. And, and I don't really think, I, I think I was all over the place with mine. Yeah. And 
but being able to hone that in a bit more. I think it was it was a great experience. Right it was a great experience for sure. Well, I don't know. I, I think it's it's interesting that you say that. I mean, um, I'm kind of a comedy nerd from, you know, way back. And I listen to a lot of comedians talk about like how YouTube and the internet and stuff has affected that world, right? Exactly, and yeah. A lot of older people that have done it, they didn't have every stand-up set recorded. They didn't, you know... It's a different world. And so like a lot of people could try out what they, you know, you say a style. Yeah. And I think back back then you had the room to actually to figure out what was your style. And, you know, I think a lot of comics mimic other comics when they start. And that that is a lot harder today because people will call you on it, that sort of thing. Yeah, but they, sure. they sort of mentioned that as sort of just like one of the, you know, there's a lot of great things that have happened with the comedy world. But that is one thing that, you know, kind of robs people of their finding their footing with it you know yeah for sure especially with this whole like this is an extremism but like cancel culture and joke stealing like right. if you get accused of joke stealing now like you're you're toast you're done sure or, like there's some heckler and you yell at them or something like that and people are like that wasn't you know yeah, yeah. that offended you know this group of people and like canceled and like yeah. it's it's it it goes like a fire no i guess it, it'd be it, it will be interesting to follow if if that is something you're you're looking into pursuing to see you know kind of where you land with all that yeah and, Damn, yeah. No, I was just about to go into oh. more college stories. Well, but. yeah. So I, I was going to go, I was going to ask with the college stuff, you said you had these limits because of the nature of the college. Did you see that in the, the theater work as well? Were you guys limited to what you could do? The theater was actually able to get away with a lot okay. under the guise of like, we live in a sinful world. This was their line was like, we live in a sinful world. So plays deal with conflict. Yeah, right. Uh, sure. You know, we... We explore, you know, these, what was the line? Sinful scenarios or something like that. Okay. And so they were kind of able to to adjust the line. Sure. My freshman year, the show that I didn't do, yeah. which they were kind of pissed at me for, but I was like, I'm a lacrosse player, whatever. It was uh, called yeah. 10 Days in a Madhouse. Nellie Bly, her story when she was locked in a madhouse and like reported the, the horrible conditions, stuff like that. Oh, wow. So our professor had translated her book into a play. Oh, cool. And there was a rape scene and there was, you know- like a girl got like fingered on stage and it talked about, you know, these, these horrible, you know, abusive, you know, nurses and doctors and stuff like that. And they had a talk back at the end of it. And so like, that one was super brutal and like had the trigger warning and everything. Sure. You know, but then they turn around and do like Xanadu or something like that just cause musical theater. Woo. Yeah. And so I, I, it had a full range. I think the theater program had a full range of shows. Obviously like we didn't do like spring awakening or anything. What about, but, sorry to nerd out on the theater stuff here, but I mean, let's what, do it. Let's do well, it. what about in terms of reading plays and, you know, I mean, were you guys exposed to a wide amount of material or was it fairly limited due to the college stance? I think it was fairly censored. Mm. Yeah. The, the shows we were reading weren't anything wild. I think the most, I mean, we had these uh, theater and culture classes where you see like, oh, you know, the sixties and seventies had, you know these connotations to social and this is how theater reflected that so okay we read uh charlie's angels and stuff and seeing you know looking at the uh, yeah. civil rights and equal rights movements the laramie project we had to do a, a performance for our class hmm. and so we definitely learned a lot about like strong social issues mm -hmm. but i definitely think that there was some some redacting of plays because sure. one of my favorite uh professors who's an adjunct teacher and i i was in his play my sophomore year and he said the hardest thing was finding plays that the school would approve of. Yeah. And so th there definitely was a lot of censorship there just because of the, I don't know, the nature of the school. But 
Did I say Charlie's Angels? You it's did. Not Charlie's Angels. Angels of I America. I thought that was the case. I was <laughs> like, okay, that's a different that's take. One yeah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. And Rent, I think. Yeah, Rent was probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's some heavy stuff for sure. Yeah. Especially in terms of the discussion on the, you know, the gay world. Yeah. If you take a look at the, the, the religious background of the school like hey we're gonna sing about this yeah but i mean that's interesting they were able to do some of that i guess did they always have like post-show discussions with the shows no it was just with that one okay actually they did a show my junior year called the christians okay and i'd seen it in high school but it's it's just a, a play about a pastor who doesn't believe in hell anymore suddenly and you see how that kind of affects like the church turnout and everything and mm. his marriage and stuff so after that one they they tried to have like this uh religious discussion at the end of it that that not a lot of people were here for okay but just the two shows i was just curious what did those discussions look like you know i didn't attend them. okay all right <laughs> yeah i kind of wish i did but yeah. i i left halfway through the the 10 days in a madhouse one because okay. there was this one uh actor who hijack is a strong word but sure. would, if a question was directed at a, another actor this person would kind of take up the torch huh. and we talk about like personal experiences and stuff. And so I, I think it was part of the cast uh, that it didn't stay, but I, I definitely think that some interesting stuff was definitely discussed. Right on. Yeah. I didn't take part in it, but. So when did the moving to the 15 countries start for you? So there was actually a huge process that I, I didn't really prepare for. So it was my sophomore year and there was this whole interview thing that you had to go through. I'm going to tell you this whole story. Great. Love it. So second show sophomore year, I get a call and they're like, hey, you missed your interview. And I was like, I didn't get the email. And I've been, you know, texting back and forth and I've been writing my email down on all of our little get togethers or whatever. And I'm still not getting anything. Okay. And so you do this video interview before one of my rehearsals and Basically, all it entailed was like, what are you going to do if someone asks you to uh, describe Jesus to them? And that was basically the, the question that they asked over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you get through as many analogies as I can get through. And then they talk about like, oh, are you okay with moving around a lot? And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I told them a little bit of exactly what I told you about, you know, my, my past and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, you're going to be perfect for this. And I was like, awesome. Mm -hmm. And then they had scheduled a follow-up interview. Again, didn't get the email. And so the show we were doing was She Stoops to Conquer. It's a 1700s era performance. So I was in costume and I had the ruffle on and like the jacket and like the tri-corner hat. And oh, yeah. I open up my iPad and like get on this this call. They had like grad assistant leaders who were like helping the, the decision making of who got to go on the trip. And he goes, hey, you getting ready for bed? I was like, eh, yeah, sure. And they asked the question, how do you describe Jesus? And I was running out of analogies here. But then my grandma texted me and a little Facebook notification popped up on my on my iPad there. And so the line I went with was improv background, baby. Sure. And I was like, oh, Jesus is like a, a friend request that you haven't accepted yet. A Facebook friend request. And they <laughs> lost their minds over that. And I was like, thanks, grandma. Yeah. And then after that, I think I, I thank my grandma a lot for, for getting me over the, the hump on that one. That's great. But then we had this class, the second semester, sophomore year. It was like an anthropology course and kind of like a, I don't know, a preparation class. And that was when I learned that this trip was more of a missions trip, yeah. like a heavy, heavy emphasis on a missions trip. So you didn't know this. You did not know that ahead of time. No, no. Wow. Maybe it was like passing information, but I was just like, I was only going into it for the countries, you know? Okay. And so I was like, well, I might as well embrace this while I can. All right. And a lot of people with a lot of different life experiences for sure. You know, I felt a bit more emotionally mature 
a lot of the people on there. So I was like, this is going to be an interesting trip. Sure. I uh, started dating a girl a week before classes got out and yeah. then it was summer and then I went on the trip. This is after your, after your sophomore year? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll rattle off the countries here. Sure. We started off in China, Mongolia, Vietnam, Nepal, India, Malta, Greece, Israel, Uganda, Israel, Palestine, Austria, and Hungary. And then we had a layover in Madrid and then Costa Rica and then back to California. Okay. I mean, you hit most of the continents yeah. and most of the major religions. Yeah. I mean, so I guess what was the intent of the, the work you guys were doing? Uh, a couple people have done like see their senior thesis projects on this trip yeah. and, you know, kind of saying it for what it is. But the, the goal that was pitched to the school at least was yeah. immerse Westerners into an, a foreign culture and see how they live, see what makes, you know, their country tick. Sure. In China, you're not allowed to say Christian or Jesus or anything. Wow. So you, they call it sharing your culture mm. with them. So it was just kind of like a, an outreach kind of deal. Okay. Were you guys truly, were you truly immersed in their cultures or were you, you know, I mean, did you get to learn about them and what they were doing? And It was a work-related mindset. And I think that part was very attractive to me. Okay. China, we were working in the school for orphans. Mongolia, we were building a church. Okay. I had a friend going like a semester at sea and they were staying, staying in like super nice hotels and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's not going to the country. Oh, yeah. But here, you know, we were staying in people's homes and hostels and stuff like that. In Mongolia, we were staying in yurts cool. that we had to like heat ourselves. Nice. That part was super cool. Sure. I noticed most of the, I mean, I don't think you named an English speaking country in there. Is that right? Yes. So you guys work through translators, I'm assuming? or Yeah. A lot of our contacts in country were fluent in both, Okay, but we did our classes that we took. We had like an anthropology class and then we had language basically. So we had to learn basic phrases. Yeah, that's fair. It kind of whittled down based on which phrases we use the most because in China we learned 20, 20 words and sentences and then by Hungary it was like eight. So it was just like what are you going to be saying the most? Yeah. But language was definitely a, a strong barrier there. And you spent two weeks in each place. Did you, or I mean, were you locked to whatever project you were doing or did you get to travel within that time and experience things otherwise? Yeah, it was, it kind of depended on the country. Yeah. Mongolia, we were kind of landlocked because Mongolia is probably one of my favorites because it was probably as close to Colorado as we got. Yeah. It was just super mountainous and, and hilly and vast. And in order to get to our projects, we had to wait for a bus and it was an hour and a half bus ride. Uh -huh, uh -huh. We kind of just roamed around, you know, these, you know, these mountainsides for a little bit. But then you have places like, where were we? Greece, where it's like, all right, we have class from this time to this time. Asalaamu Lake, the rest of the day is yours. Mm. And you just kind of run around and you're like, oh, I'm going to go have lunch at the Parthenon kind of deal. I don't know. Vietnam, our, our contact for work fell through. So Vietnam, we actually had the full two weeks to kind of explore Ho Chi Minh City and Saigon and Halambe. And yeah, we, our time was ours probably 50% of the time. So it was super informative. Yeah. Okay. It was about as much as uh, the school deemed safely in some countries. Yeah. India was probably the most dangerous of the countries for sure. Uh -huh. We were working in the Mother Teresa homes. Kolkata is what they, is the capital. And then the, the house name was, what was it? Nirmal Hidre, which is the house of the dying. And okay. we had this commute every day. We split up into groups. So people went into different homes. Yeah. But me and my now he became my roommate the year afterwards. Yeah. Had to go score it basically or uh, a female group because it was a it was a mother home that was females only. Yeah. And 
they were getting like sexually assaulted. Like people were walking up and like grabbing their butts and stuff like that. And oh no, and you know, putting their hands on them and stuff like that. And the stress and stuff of ha- always having to be on guard and wow. whatnot. I think it, it broke a lot of people down because it showed them, you know, this is how some people live. Mm. And you know, one of the students was from a Texas ranch. Parents are lawyers. Like literally, world is theirs. And then you know, the, just the culture shock of that was a big takeaway. And and I loved that. Obviously, not the bad parts of it, yeah. but I think being able to to go through some sort of culture shock. I think everyone needs some sort of that okay. in their life. Some sort of like event or trip or interaction that kind of shakes up their world, so you kind of get a broader perspective of of your. Oh, that's great. Yeah, of your life. They yeah. don't show that scene in like Book of Mormon. You know, I mean, are you familiar with that play? Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. Okay. I think they they sh- shed some light on that experience in a you know very different way. I don't know. What was your favorite stop in all of those? It changes every time someone asks. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I think there's there's merit in all of them. I think I had probably the most fun in Uganda. Yeah. Our, we were going there to help like rebuild homes and stuff like that. But I ended up just like wrestling with the town's kids all day. Fun. Like I was a human jungle gym. <laughs> kids from like other towns started showing up just to like wrestle and stuff. Okay. I was supposed to be like helping build this thing, but I was just like wrestling with these kids for, you know, six hours. Nice. And I did that for two weeks. And yeah, it was just fun. You, know? you didn't know you were going on a mission trip. You go on a mission trip where you have to, you know, ch- choose your words. And and you had even said in the interview process, sort of these analogies and, you know, expected to share your life experiences, sort of talking to these people about your spiritual views and everything else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you said you were raised in a, in a Christian house. You went to a Christian college. You went in this christian mission trip to 15 different countries i mean where do you stand on on the spiritual side i've been talking with someone who graduated with my brother a lot about things because he went into ministry and then fell away so i've been talking with him about his journey but yeah i think this modern view of christianity is so heavily westernized whitewashed and kind of business orientated sure the game of telephone from you know disciples all the way to joel austin is the 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 message there is so totally skewed yeah for sure and i'm not saying that there's nothing out there but this this being that was pitched to us that is being pitched is i think far from what it is or what was originally spoken about it so it's it's kind of like in between right now huh. i think you know that trip and life experiences for being able to to see a broader perspective and being able to look at something and being like, does this logically make sense? Or is that the point? Is it not supposed to make sense? Kind of I got cool. you. Another friend who's a worship leader and how her church is dealing with management and stuff like that is, you know, it's just kind of all over the place right now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like churches really need to stay afloat, especially after COVID and stuff. And so I feel like things are getting bolder and bolder and you know, the the reliability may or may not be dwindling right now. Mm. That was a long-winded answer, but yeah. Religion is pretty fascinating and obviously taboo. Yeah, to, exactly. to, yeah, yeah. It's hard to talk about, oh but I mean, gosh, yes. I was raised Catholic and then in high school, I dated and then eventually married a Buddhist, a Thai Buddhist. Really? And so I found myself sort of trapped between those worlds and I think my spiritual takes landed, you know, somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah. They tell me about this beautiful religion and this culture. And then I'd hear about missionary groups. And 
in one way feeling they're a very noble thing and a very you know yeah but then another they're they're sort of disregarding the people's yes yes exactly you know yeah keep going keep going i love this cultural beliefs and their heritage you know yeah and so i I always kind of took issue with that personally because it's like they have this thing that is theirs why why do we need to be there yeah telling them otherwise you know being like hey your religion is wrong let me tell you why kind of deal yeah yeah. i remember specifically in uh, nepal we went to a, a temple and you know, prayer flags, prayer wheels. Mm-hmm. I got some prayer flags and they're hanging on our, our porch light outside right now. You know, because I think it's important to to understand and, you know, respect, you know, cultures and stuff. Sure. You know, obviously, it's just some basic human rights, you know? Okay. It was the around the world trip. And if you went on it, you were called rounders. Yeah. So I have this habit of calling it. There was a rounder who, this, so that's where my, my jargon comes from right okay. now. Okay. There was a rounder who called their parents and was like, we saw all of these tools of Satan today. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hmm. It kind of stuck with me because that can mean as much or as little as you want it to. Yeah. It's like spinning a prayer wheel can do, you know, nothing or everything. Mm. And that was something that one of our contacts down there told me. How much of theirs did you get to partake in? Or was it all about, you know, what you could teach them? I really tried to learn from both. One of my coworkers at this grocery store, he's our butcher. And when I first started working there, I was cracking some joke at him about learning from me. And he goes, I learned from everybody. The second you stop doing that, you're an idiot. Okay. And I was like, oh, all right. I mean, and that's why I brought up Book of Mormon too, because I think that is such a funny take on that idea, you know, and the sort of mashup version that the, you know, the people take out of the ideology is, is hilarious. You know, mm-hmm. my, my brother-in-law is a, a former pastor and, mm, interesting. and and he's done missionary work in Mexico and, and he talks about the experience of just being in the trenches and doing the work with these people and trying to understand them the best he can to be able to share what he knows. And and I think that is such a, a beautiful way to look at it versus like we're going to convert or, you know, whatever the you know, the actual mission is. One yeah. of the, the stories that I really it's a it's a non-religious take on, you know, possible missionary work, basically. We were in Mongolia and one of the events that was happening like and if you wanted to like come and see you could but they were slaughtering a sheep for us okay and so these people who had never seen you know an animal die before are witnessing that and this guy's just like cutting its throat basically right in front of all of us and you know a bunch of people are like getting sick and they're like i can't believe you know humans do this kind of deal but then the the guy who was doing it he's like you americans are so uncivilized and we're like what He's like, you guys don't even know how to like dress a deer, like field dress a deer for like food. Oh yeah. It was always such a, a fun cultural thing is because their take on uncivilized is how to prepare food for your family. And, you know, obviously our take is like, oh, that's barbaric. That's whatever. And it's just these two different sides. And I think that translates, you know, to religious aspects. It's like, oh, you believe this? Well, will you believe this? And that understanding of, of where each place is coming from, I think is super important. And that's one of the biggest things that I looked for on the trip. And, and I think I got a good idea, you know, out of most of it. Yeah. yeah. But it's always, it's really exciting now to, to see other perspectives in other areas. And I think that definitely does stem from moving around and seeing new places all the time. I think that creates an excitement for, mm. for learning. I mean, that was, uh, what, 30 weeks? Is that, is that right? Yeah. 33, I think. 
Yeah. Wow. What am I talking about? No, I was like, I don't know where I was going with 33. No, that was, a, it was from August to December. Okay. However many weeks is in there. 33 weeks, get out of here. I obviously did not learn math on that trip. So more like uh, five months. Yes. Yeah. You had to return back to school after that. Yeah. Was that a rough transition for you to come back to? It was interesting. Someone pointed it out. So I was dating this girl and went out to her place in California for, for a week before we went out. So right. moving around just before the trip. But then the third week of the semester rolls around and someone, I was talking with this girl and she goes, you know why today's special? I went, "Ah, are you going to say it's the Lord's Day or something? And she's like, this is the third week of classes. And this is the first time in six months that our group has been in one place for more than two weeks. And it was just kind of one of those, whoa, we're settling down now kind of deal. And because the school was so small and because this trip was kind of a flagship program of the trip, everybody, like all the professors, just loved to talk to students who were on the trip. And a lot of my friends in theater and lacrosse and stuff like that were so sick of it. Huh. And you do get kind of clicky, you know, because you've, you've had so many experiences with those people. And so, you know, the friends you, the friends that I made in theater and lacrosse, you know, I wasn't with them as much anymore, you know, because I was like, oh, I'm going to go eat with, you know, this person. And it's, it's just weird. Everyone calls this clicky and it's, it's hard not to be. Mm. And I, I fully acknowledged it and stuff like that, but. There was kind of some re-entry pains, but then halfway through, not even halfway through the semester of kind of getting back into the swing of things, COVID hit. Mm. That was my junior year, yes. So then my story from there is I I crashed with my girlfriend at the time at her place and I was rooming with a friend who was on the trip, ironically enough, since he had gotten a job from her dad. So we were living with them until just before the next school year started okay. and came back to Colorado for like two weeks. Home base. Regrouped. Yeah, home base. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of regrouped a little bit, then went back and did nothing. There was no theater. Classes were all online, but you were still required to be on the campus. Which is nuts to me. And, but yeah, you know, going from the schedule, like I told you from my sophomore year, when I was going from 545 to one in the morning every single day, and, and then, I mean, your time, your time abroad sounds like it was just keeping you hopping too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, you know, just that, it, that, that when you're constantly moving and constantly doing things. And then I was just sitting in my dorm at a computer screen for, you know, 13 hours a day. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine. And then they tried to do these 10 minute plays and rehearsals were online and I'd said I could do like two of them. I can handle two 10 minutes, two 10 minute rehearsal plays. Yeah. And then uh, people ended up dropping. Sure. So I ended up being in four of them. And so those translate to, you know, four one hour rehearsals on yep. top of classes and stuff like that. So it's just yeah. all day, mm. you know, staring at a screen. Sure. Yeah. It was tough. It was really tough. Yeah. Senior year got really, really stagnant and I wasn't used to that. I was yeah. never used to that. So there was some spiraling here and there and oh, wow. I ended up finding solace in creating my own content and stuff. And so second semester, when things kind of started lifting up a little bit, I was also making these, you know, funny videos about the school and so not about, but your experience. Yeah, I guess it was yeah. kind of about. But uh the yeah, the thing I learned from being, you know, going through the quarantine and COVID college and stuff was you know, you can't always rely on, you know, your directors and stuff like that to, you know, get their stuff together and sure. and 
organize, you know, a show, mm-hmm. but I knew that I could. And so I got, you know, my feet wet in personal content creating. Yeah. I think that's something that I'm excited to explore now that I'm out of college. Okay. So, yeah. You said you were commenting on your school experience, but I mean, you're drawn to more sort of comic kind of stuff then? Yeah. 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 I obviously had a lot of time to, to write, you know, my own plays and screenplays and stuff. And yeah, there's some solid ideas here and there, but I really enjoyed these comedic takes at COVID college. At COVID. I, I call them Concordia yeah. tutorials. I did them like edition one, edition two, edition three, kind of like textbooks. Yeah. My first one was about having a social life through COVID. And so I, I had all these wacky like social media characters and stuff and leaving comments on the school's Instagram pages and stuff. And, Ended up getting in trouble for mm-hmm. logo infringement. So it's funny that that's what they nailed you with. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's. But it wasn't like a cease and desist. It was just kind of like, yeah. "Hey, stop doing that." I think, I, mean, I think they wanted it to be a cease and desist, but I took it like a slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist. Yeah. Okay. But but you couldn't do them anymore in that fashion. Yeah. I see. It was a little, I a see. little unruly by the end of my by the end of my college program. I was I was pretty done. Yeah. 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 I, I, I again. I mean. I've heard all sorts of stories about, you know, people who've gone through the college experience in the last couple of years. I mean, and, you know, people who were sent home and didn't have internet at home and couldn't continue. And yeah, I mean, yeah. you're trapped in the dorms. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've heard so many things about, you know, cafeterias that just barely fed the people left on campus and on and on and on. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, you said you spiraled a little bit. I mean, and mental health has been a, a huge thing. And I mean, have all these younger people just sort of hanging out at a computer all day long. It's hard to fathom. So yeah, the first semester of the, the senior year when everything was still locked down, you know, my routine went four classes in the morning. I'd like walk over and grab lunch and instead of eating outside or whatever, you just, I just go back to my dorm. I just kind of lived there. Mm. And, you know, obviously that's a huge change from previous years and in that trip. Yeah. But oh, I, had, I had something good for this. Okay. I was going somewhere with this. That's, okay. So you, I mean, your social life was online as well then for the most part? Oh, yeah. The video game world. <laughs> to go back to that, that was something that I could still yeah. connect with people and stuff like that. I mean, were you able to do any of the comedy or the improv? I mean, I've heard of Zoom improv and Zoom comedy, stand-up comedy. A lot of it, yeah. Through like uh, Discord chats or, you know, the Instagram yeah. Instagram video chat or something like that. You had no audience feedback. You had no energy that way. I, yeah, so that's rough. I did find this program. It's called Oozbear. And it's a it's an online platform specifically for improv. And I got our team together. We did a show. We did a couple of rehearsals. A show, quote unquote. It's like how the program is th- is set. It's like you can start recording. Then after you're done, it's like uploaded to like their forum kind of deal. Yeah. And the creator of the thing actually watched or listened to our show and gave us a bunch of feedback and said like, "Oh, you guys' skills here are awesome." And I was like, "Let's do this again." And then we never did. But what a weird thing! I wow. Yeah. If you want to do a live show, people could tune in and they could like, they, there was a little like chat bar and stuff for like suggestions and people would like chat and stuff. But yeah, no live reaction. And that I did two stand up shows on Zoom. Yeah. Which it can work for some people, but it, it, yeah, the, it just didn't work. Cause the, the ones that I did sometimes like you can do it with people with their mics unmuted and stuff. Oh, yeah. But, everyone's mics were muted and some people didn't even have their cameras on. Yeah. And so like you get to the punchline and you kind of see people just like do like the shoulder shrug, like the, you just kind of like breathe air through your nose a bit stronger, you know? Oh, 
and you're like, I don't know, did that hit? Did it not? And so that was tough. People just pivoted and punted and try to figure stuff out. And it sounds like you were in that, that vein as well. Yeah, I think there are definitely some pioneers that were able to kind of bend that program and like all those little, you know, hiccups and stuff like that to add to their to their routine or their set or whatever. Yeah. Right on. So you graduated, you got through all of that insanity. <laughs> For now. You yeah. opted not to stay in California because you wanted to go home. Home base, baby. You wanted to go to home base. And so there you are. Yeah. What is the thought process of being back in Colorado this time? This is definitely like my first time really enveloping in the community up here. Yeah. I've been coming up here for 10 years, but I haven't really talked or made friends with any of the locals. Uh-huh. Working so much yeah. and kind of having a lot more confidence in, in social skills, in you know, just ability to just converse with people. Yeah. I've kind of gotten to know a lot more people up here and like, you know, kind of have a, a sense of community up here. And uh, so I'm really excited to kind of navigate this, kind of making, you know, some style changes and stuff and figuring out what, what I like and okay. whatnot without the, the constraints of a Lutheran college and stuff. Okay. I mean, do you have a time frame in mind that you're going to stick around? I had a goal for the end of September. So like hang around up here until after Labor Day and stuff, just like work-wise, since that's kind of the last big wave of, of tourists up here. Yeah. But... Yeah, I'm kind of working on my own stuff. You know, obviously, I'm I'm trying to write stand up whenever I can. I want to get a stand up night and improv team up here if possible. Yeah, writing, trying to keep to a schedule, sort of working out. But yeah, it's kind of seeing what I can create on my own, see what kind of connections I can make up here, and then full send and whatever's next. How far is that from Denver? About two hours. Okay. I mean, have you thought about tapping into the scene here at all? Or because it is getting back on its feet here, you know? Not until just now, but I guess that's that makes a lot of sense too. Well, I just, I mean, you know, small town is great and every, and you're going to have some awesome experience there. But I just wonder if making some field trips down this way is yeah. something that makes sense. You know, I mean, they still, yeah, they do open mics and all sorts of stuff. And I mean, oh I am tuned into this world, but have no interest in doing it or whatever. But yeah, I mean... I used to drive for Lyft and I'd run into comics here all the time. And so, I mean, and, no, and Denver is a really yeah. good comedy scene when it's up and running. So, yeah, I've been seeing like a couple of things that it's kind of up and coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like, I have yet to like search for like, oh, open mics and stuff like that. But like, yeah, it's yeah. just, you hear all this lingo and I'm like, oh yeah, I should get on that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, open, open mics, I guess, are the historically the way to, to do it. And it for sounds sure. like if you're starting something up at your theater, maybe an open mic might be a way to, you know to get interest in it yeah yes 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 i love it i don't know man it's just really fascinating and like super exciting to hear you at this i mean you're half my age at this point and to be at this such an amazing starting point where you're coming out of some not great you know a year and a half of not great end of schools experience but you're really looking forward to some some new life experiences and figuring out what's next and i don't know it's just it's great to hear i mean i know so many people including myself that have bailed out of theater in this past year yeah exactly but no so it's cool to see that you are interested in looking ahead and you're not calling it yeah Mm. yeah and i think to to come full circle i think that is a result of you know having the opportunity Mm -hmm. i get yeah moving around i'd say is an opportunity oh yeah just having that mindset that something else is going to happen like there's always like life goes on kind of deal. Oh, sure. This section of life is, is great right now. I'm working a lot. I'm kind of dipping my toe in 
you know, back into like the technical side of theater and stuff. Yeah. But I'm watching them, you know, perform and I was like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that again for sure. And just, you know, just knowing that something else is going to be next. And, you know, it's kind of, this time it's my decision though. Yeah. So I think that's why I'm excited. I, I think people have gotten different results out of the reasons that drew them to other places. Interesting. But yeah. I guess if you're able to see it as opportunity versus something that, you know, hindered you, I think is such mm -hmm. a great way to look at it, you know? Yeah, it's like, you know, life is a mindset kind of deal. And not to get too, you know, cliche about the whole thing, but it kind of, there's some truth in it where it is what you, what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it is what you make it. Okay. And again, and, to see you after this past year and a half still have that sense is, again, very hopeful. And yeah, I'm, for sure. I'm just so delighted to talk to you right now because <laughs> of, you know, I, I mean, I was a community college teacher in here during the pandemic and to see those kids just nosedived in the, in terms of their hope and what they expected, you know? And so, I mean, I've, I've just seen it firsthand where people are just kind of giving up, you know? And, oh, for sure. For sure. I'll keep in touch with you for any endeavors. I do appreciate whatnot. it. Well, oh, yeah. well, I was going to say too, I mean, you're looking at LA, I mean, but you, you talked about being interested in theater and being interested in comedy and improv. I mean, is something like Chicago or something, is that a, would that be a good fit for you? I wonder. You know, oh, yeah. I spent a lot of, I spent almost 15 years in Chicago and I'm just wondering if, if that's a place that you might want to consider if theater and comedy and improv are, are things you're really interested in. So, I mean, you know, I, I just, if you've got some footing out in LA, I think that you're, you're ahead of most people, but you know, depends what you, what depends what you're interested in doing. Exactly. It, yeah. And I think the, the only reason I keep saying LA is just cause that's, you know, California is kind of familiar right now, but it doesn't scare me away or anything to, to consider another city, whether, you know, Chicago or, you know, Atlanta is coming or Nashville, some other kind sure, of... Sure. Yeah. There's so many spots. I just know uh, Chicago as both a theater and comedy hub. Yeah. Interesting. It's, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. cool to hear you talk about next steps. And I mean, it sounds like you're going to be the kind of person that will roll with whatever is thrown at you and... I mean, doesn't sound like you're going to be scared to move or make changes as you sort of figure things out. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> that is the idea. Yeah, it seems to be your, sure. your take so far. But, uh, it's really cool. I mean, like I said, you're the youngest person I've talked to and I, I'm just, I'm stoked to hear it, you know, and yeah, I think you have and, so many resources you know, available to you now that weren't available, you know, when I started this in, in 2000, you know, so. Yeah, and, you know, kind of learning from, past mistakes yeah of like not of kind of neglecting social media and stuff like that and sure building on the blocks that from moving and from having all these experiences and stuff like that like it's yeah i have such a different outlook on life coming out of covid and stuff it's just you know the quality of life is so drastically different yeah <laughs> out of college and just from like a just like a creative standpoint but yeah i mean I think that is the sort of style of comedy these days. I mean, jokes are one thing, but people want to hear about your life. And how do you turn that into jokes? You know, and it sounds like you've got a well to, to go from at this point. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're a pretty self-reflective person, but how is it feeling to you to, you know, talk about your life experiences this way? It was the first time I've done it for this long. And it, especially listening to my brothers, like it is strange to hear it narrated that way. We just narrated it all, but okay. the the girl I was staying with when COVID was locked down, yeah, that was her dad's house. Like her dad grew up in that same house, 
and everyone who her dad went to high school with is in that area and no one has ever moved everyone's always gone to an in-state college close by and stuff like that and like i was just like i cannot i can't believe this i've got a couple episodes that are that are dealing with people that were raised in the small town and never went beyond that till they got married yeah yeah so i mean that because that one is so foreign to me that it's exciting actually to to, to think about, you know, so it's just so weird. Yeah, right. Well, thanks so much, Sam. This has been really great. People have told me they've enjoyed listening to Nick's conversation. And again, I think this younger perspective, but you 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 have a, a good sense of yourself and a emerging worldview that is interesting to listen to and, and hopeful, like I've been saying. So no, for sure. I like I love what you're doing with this podcast and stuff. Like, I think it's, it's super important to to have that understanding of, you know, what makes you you. I think, you know, as a comedic, I think it's important to have, you know, a brand and, and knowing whether you want it to be a character, but like building off, of, you know, experiences and stuff. Well, I really appreciate the time. Yeah. What I've been having people do sort of at the end is if you tabbed up the places you lived, I mean, technically, it, you said it was about 10. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. And that, I mean, if we if we really wanted to add the 15, I mean, that would be fun. Yeah, I think I'll count the study abroad as like we'll, we'll count that as moving once. I feel like it's a little prestigious to say I've moved twenty five times, but eleven times thus far. Cool. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for the time. Oh, do you have anything you want to promote? I mean, where can we find you on your your social media stuff? My Instagram is just Sam, or it's Beast and Sam. Okay. Anything that content wise that I'm creating on there, so I don't know, just go follow that, and then. So far, a tentative YouTube name for this uh, thing I'm starting up is called Big Dumb Idiot of the Week right on. News Broadcast. <laughs> so check out for that on, on YouTube. Again, thanks so much for the time. Oh, for you sure. Know, I'm tempted to be like, how old is your sister now? At 19. Okay. Yeah. An interesting thing with her, yeah. she's still kind of on the fence about college. Okay. But she's been, she just got back from a trip to Fiji. No kidding. Oh, yeah. She went to Bali last summer. She's been traveling a lot. A three-point perspective could be interesting. So I don't know if you feel up to passing along, you know, the kind of stuff that I had sent you initially. For sure. Yeah, just a whole nother take could be uh, pretty fascinating as well. So that'd be really fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. Absolutely. Try not to work too hard up there. (laughs) Oh, impossible. You seem to be built for it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've got theater connections in LA and Chicago and New York. So if there's anything you, you know, feel free to reach out. I don't know how much I can help you at this point because, like I said, I am a little disconnected, but I do know people that work on all three coasts, as it were. So yeah, I'll hit you up after this and we'll discuss that. Right on. All right, man. Well, take care and I'll keep an eye on you. You're you're a fascinating guy. All right, cool. Thanks, Sam. Yep. Have a good one. Okay, that was my conversation with Sam Beeson. Had a really good time talking about some theater and some comedy stuff with him. Uh, just a really fascinating young, younger mind uh, that I can't wait to hear more from. We did record that episode earlier this summer, and I have since talked to him. He is relocating to Austin, Texas, where apparently he's working uh, with an improv company. And I hope him the best. I think it'll be a good move because there's a lot of great comedy in Austin right now. Well, as always, thank you for listening. And if you could please rate and review, especially on Apple, it'd be greatly appreciated. Love to hear what you have to think about the show. Maybe taking a slight break between now and January. 
uh, just with the holidays coming up and uh, hoping to get some more interviews and I'll be back with you when I can. Thanks for listening. This is a production of the Full Media.